All right, well, I really enjoyed like one um, part of this that I just wanted to read. If you haven't gotten one of these, I will say, y'all, this takes literally two minutes to read. It's so awesome, and I had never read anything by this author before, and I liked him so much that I went ahead and like ordered another of his books. But um, I will just share something that I really like. Um, so he talks about um, on Monday's section or on Monday's devotional, he says, today dwell on the people who've crossed your circuit I don't even know if I'm saying this right, circuitous, like, circu- I don't know, path and changed your story. Remember some of those initial meetings and in the ground you've covered since. Sit with gratitude for them and for the difference they've made on your journey and reflect on the way you've been changed by an encounter with God or what seemed like God to you in that moment. Think about the love and the faith you found in the intersection. So I just really loved that and I loved the idea of how can we during Advent, think about how people have touched us or changed us in different ways. Um, And to me, I think about like finding this church seven years ago and all of the relationships that have stemmed out from just coming to this church. And so I encourage y'all this week to um, think about that and also to follow along with the devotional because it really is a great tool. All right. Um, So Most Sundays growing up, my family would attend church at the Means Memorial United Methodist Church, Um, and and I remember that every week we would sit in our spots. You know, you didn't want to take someone else's spot or else you would throw off the entire rhythm, and I don't know if that's just a small town thing. You know, you didn't want to sit in Mr. Carter's spot because then he would have to move into the Doyle's family row, and that would just throw everything off. Um, But I really do have amazing memories from that church um, with KFC or Kids for Christ um, and then how that (laughs) turned into the youth group where, you know, to be honest, for several years there it was flirting with boys and trying to sit on the couch next to the boy that you thought was the cutest. Um, But growing up in a church like that, I, I think a lot about how I didn't really know what community I had because I just was so used to it. I didn't know what that would look like to not have that community because that was all that I had experienced. And it reminded me of the quote from The Office, if y'all watch The Office, anyone. Um, But in the last episode, there's that quote that, you know, now it's on like different Etsy things that you can purchase in a fancy script, but um, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you actually left them. And I think that that is a lot about um, how we can also think about the life that we're in right now. Like, what if we treated the life that we're in right now as though it is the good old days because we're only going to, you know, continue going through life, and if we don't savor where we are, um, then we might miss some of that. Um, well, growing up, every sermon began with a funny story, and I've wondered if this is something that they teach at seminary, because it seems to be a theme that Austin has carried on, too. So I literally typed in here, funny story, all caps, and I was going to think of a funny story (laughs) between this morning and today, or this afternoon, excuse me, Um, and honestly, all I could think about was that Last night, as we were getting ready for bed, John was like, you know what I realized today? And I thought it was going to be like a deep thought or some memory or some amazing thing about um, baby Ram or something. And he was like, 
our cat Mango no longer looks like a limo. And I was like, um, that's been a running joke within our house is that she has a very long body that doesn't match her, and so we call her a limo. And I was like, you know, I didn't realize that she no longer looks like a limo either, but there's our funny story for today. So, um, we are talking about peace today, and the verse that I wanted us to reflect on is Colossians 3.15. Now, like many folks that did not go to seminary, when I was preparing for this sermon, I typed into Google verses on peace and <laughs> um, looked through several lists and was like, which of these speaks the most to me? Which of these feels like something that the church would um, learn from and want to hear. So this verse really stood out to me. Um, It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. So there's lots to think about here. Um, I've always lived my life with a thousand to-do lists in my head, and I don't think I realized that this wasn't normal until I went to college and started to see how other people lived their lives. And I didn't realize that not everyone has constant, you know, to-do lists in their mind. And the lists in my mind can range from practical things like do laundry, go grocery shopping, unload the dishwasher, to find the perfect blend of style that makes me feel on trend but not too trendy, but that it's tacky, you know, unique but still classic. Um, (laughs) or fill my house with decor that says modern bohemian mid-century with clean lines and textures. Is that just me? Um, These are all tall orders and unrealistic standards and so many barriers to me feeling any sense of true peace. And in particular, I have this one recurring idea of this magical week. You know, this week that I have it all together Um, You might have your own version of the week that you think about, um, but for me, the week would be everything is in order, everything is settled, I'm not watching Netflix, I'm not scrolling Instagram too much, I'm rocking it at work, I'm rocking it at home, John and I have a date night, Ramiro's doing great in every sense of the ways. Um, Oh, and also we're seeing friends all the time. Oh, wait, and while doing this, I look put together at all times. Um, On top of that, we're also eating home-cooked meals. I'm working out, and I'm getting 10,000 steps on my Fitbit every day. Um, And for me, in Enneagram 1, this is literally the dream. And every week, I'm like, this is going to be the week. This is it. This week, I'm going to do it. Um, But to me, this perfect week is like how I envision peace. But I want to challenge us that this is only manufactured peace and that that's not peace through Christ. And what that perfect week looks like to you may be very different than what it looks like to me, but you might have some unrealistic idea of a life in your mind that you really view as when you're there, that's when you'll feel peace. But like me, you probably have a lot of things going on that make the week extremely hard to obtain. Um, Work demands, school, family, relationships, significant others. Oh, and wait, there will continue to be current event after current event that needs to be processed and acted upon. And I think we've especially felt this the last two years. 
um, with continuing racial justice issues and other social justice issues on top of all of the other stress that we've had. And so what does obtaining the perfect week and thus that peace mean in reality? Um, For me, it can mean that I'm cutting corners just to say that things are complete or that I'm taking the easy route because I want something off my plate and I want to be able to say that I'm done with it. It can also mean that I'm rushing past others' feelings or desires in order to solve the problem and move on. It can also look like performative allyship without relationship, just so that I feel that I'm doing something. And so what if we're all chasing a manufactured peace that we create instead of one through our creator? The peace in Christ that that verse is talking about. What if we can look past the surface level of what peace appears to be acknowledging the ways that there may not be a true resolution and that things may linger. How can we invite God into that space with us for the journey and not just the aftermath when things are quote-unquote settled? Inviting in the peace of Christ has the power to create peace in even the most unpeaceful situations because the reality is that there will never be a perfect week There will never be a relationship without any challenges, annoyances, or unspoken words that are lingering. We will never live in a world without with complete harmony because we are not in the true kingdom yet. But what if we can rest in the peace, what it looks like through Christ, sitting in the unknown in the gray space? How can we promote and radiate peace that is truly with us through Christ? These are some of the ideas that I have, and it may look different for each of y'all. But for me, I'm challenging myself to not always take the easy option just because it's easy. Think and pray through options to see where God is calling us. Thinking before I speak. Pause before making a comment that could be hurtful, harmful, or just unnecessary. Let go of unrealistic expectations of myself and of others so that I can be at peace with them for where they are. Spending less time on social media, and this is a big one for me, and focus on my real life that I'm actually living and not an imaginary one that's virtual. And what would it look like for you individually? I challenge you to reflect on that this week. I challenge you to invite God in with you for true peace through Christ and not to be blinded by the desire for manufactured peace. And last, I want to close by thinking about the last part of the verse. So reading the verse again, Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. That last part, and be thankful, that's its own sentence in the verse. I think if we sit and actually let that sit in, the fact that that command stands alone means that the author thought that it was important. Because it is important for us as believers, it's both important and challenging to be thankful. And it was probably just as hard for people to be thankful back then when the book of Colossians was written as it is now. And rather than feeling guilty about not feeling thankful enough, how can we incorporate thankfulness into our daily lives? So one thing that John and I started doing a few years ago um, that I really think helped our relationship a lot was thanking one another for small things. It sounds silly, but even just things like 
handing the other person a paper towel or helping do something, but saying thank you. And when we would trade off who would get up to feed Romero in the night, the other person would like groggily say thank you as the other person got back in bed. And it sounds small, but I think it helped me recognize what all he was doing, but also it helped each of us feel seen and validated. So what if we started to do that with God? Just quick and short thank yous throughout our days when they pop up. Thank you for this delicious meal. Thank you for this amazing friendship that I have. Thank you for this city. Thank you for this alone time. Thank you for my life. I pray that this week you will feel the invitation to peace through Christ and not the challenge of creating manufactured peace that is fleeting and unattainable. I pray that you will find moments to thank God for what matters to you. So lastly, I wanted to end with an exercise. Um, I had never been to a church that did this, but when I went to an Episcopal church with John when we were dating, um, his church did something where they would share the piece at the, during their um, sermons. So I wanted to share a little bit about the history of this. So it is a remnant of the old, quote, kiss of peace, which is not, not okay to do now. We can't just like kiss people for like pandemic reasons and, you know, other reasons. Um, but this was a Christian greeting to follow. You would, um, you would, you know, give a handshake or a kiss and that this is the closest, a handshake is the closest modern equivalent and you can hug others um, as long as, of course, they're comfortable with it. But according to ancient teachings, we Christians should make peace with one another before approaching the risen Lord who we believe is truly present under the forms of bread and wine after the consecration by the priest or pastor. The handshake and the spoken words, peace be with you, are supposed to symbolize the congregation reconciling with one another and becoming one body of Christ as they join with Christ in the sacrament of communion. The point of giving the peace is to provide a liturgical encouragement to reconcile with one another and to genuinely wish one another peace with the Lord. So I know that, um, you know, we're all wearing masks, but I would like for us to stand and for you to share the peace with someone around you. So you say, peace be with you, and then the person responds, and also with you.